Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Good morning, church. Greetings on this beautiful Sunday morning. How are you? Good. Well, I'm Michael Borner, and I am honored to be here today. And my family and I have been at this church coming up this fall. will be 34 years of joyous time in the Treasure Valley at Capital Christian Center, Capital Church. And next year, it'll just be Capital. And then next year, we'll just call it K. Let's just get short. Well, we are so thrilled that we get to continue the sermon series today on the subject of joy. Or I can preach on disappointment or anger if you prefer. Oh, joy is better. Yes. Okay. We'll do that. Well, it is a blessing to be in a house with hungry people that love the Lord. Amen. And the sermon we're going to be talking about is called Cultivating Faith and Flourishing Joy. And Pastor Chris and Pastor Shane have been in this wonderful series. We'll continue it today. And you know what? There's a picture that we'll put up behind me of something that brings an awful lot of joy in my heart. And that is uh, when people ask, where are you from? I'm from Boise. I have a little small estrogen farm that we've been raising of these little girls. But that was a number of years ago. And now they look a little more like this. So that was a recent wedding back in December. But if you put up the next slide, the comparison is we talk about joy. Joy is fuel. Joy is tied to our faith. Joy is connected in a way we're going to talk about today. But you know what? Someone that's in your family or the complete surrounding of your family or your kind of network of people that you're in relationship to needs you to have joy. As a dad, these little girls needed me to have joy. My wife needed me to have joy. And you know what? There's a circle of influence that every one of us have. You may not think you have one. You have one. And they know probably a very good chance that you're a believer. And their expectation is going to be a little bit higher. And you know what? That's okay because it should be. So we're going to talk about joy this morning. And there's a great verse out of Hebrews that kind of kicks it off. In Hebrews 1.9. And this says, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. And the person he's talking about in that verse in Hebrews is Jesus. He was anointed with the oil of joy. How much? More than everyone else. And he is the model for our lives. And that model is exactly what we're going to talk about today. And by the way, one of the greatest models I've seen when it comes to spiritual growth, and Pastor Ken just mentioned it, is camp. There is a disproportionate impact of God's authority at camp. And I've often wondered why that is, because we used to send our kids to camp. People got saved at camp. I mean, Stefan Bravo, Pastor Mark Francie, many people went kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming. Okay, you should hear Stefan's uh, testimony. You should hear Pastor uh, Mark's testimony. They either didn't want to go or they were there to meet a girl, right? <laughs> so bad motives, that's all right. Get them there. I'm telling you what, parents, send your kids. 
And I've often wondered why kids get so dramatically changed. I think it's because it's a concentration of God's presence with no distractions. And whenever you get around God's presence, he wins. You know? So get your kids to camp. And thank you for those who give to make scholarships possible because a lot of times families just can't afford it. So thank you. It's a wonderful thing. So joy leads to our faith. Faith leads to our joy. They're connected. And one of the great scriptures we're all familiar with, the Galatians 5.22, just to be reminded of it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then what? Joy. Joy is the next on the list. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Why would you put a law against any of that, right? And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Praise God for that. Since we live by the Spirit, and here's the key, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keeping in step with the Spirit is the challenge. What does the Spirit step look like? What's the gate of the Holy Spirit? I'm not really sure. But it's something we got to figure out how to keep in step with. That's the command. And if we keep in step with it, it grows us. All right? Isn't that cool? Well, in 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about, hmm, I had to feed you milk, not solid food. And Paul's talking to some people that are adults who are like, what's with you folks? By now, you should be up here on meat or at least some sort of vegan replacement, right? You need some sort of hard food here other than just the milk that you get in a baby's bottle. This was kind of a critique. And then at the very bottom, it says, aren't you living like people of the world? That's not our goal. And if we're walking in our faith, this increases our joy, which then leads to our maturity and leads to meat. Well, why do we want to consume meat? Depending on what your dietary preferences are. We want to consume these things because they make us strong. And it's a spiritual analogy. Amen? So, now when babies are born, of course, they drink milk. But the goal is to grow and mature and move into solid foods. Now, just two weeks ago, my family, we finally, hello, got to join the club. We hear is the best. It's the grandparents club. Yeah. yeah. So, still feel like we're too young to be grandparents. But hey, you know. We have this precious little girl that came from our daughter, Brittany Joy, and Isaac Strophus, who had their precious little uh, baby, Olivia James, who came out at a whopping 10 pounds, 13 ounces. So yeah, we're excited about her. And you know what? We are so blessed to be grandparents. You just hold little baby Olivia, and she just sleeps. And then she wakes up and smiles, and then she goes back to sleep such a precious thing and and Brittany's such a great sweet mom and watching Isaac being a daddy it's the best thing in the world this is the cycle and the rhythm of life but as precious as that is that little baby girl do we want her to stay there why not it's so precious it's so cute it's like a puppy can't they stay that way forever well the front end of a puppy's great right same thing with a child <clears throat> they need to progress so mom and dad can sleep as well as the fact they can be a productive part of our community, right? Well, the thing is, spiritually, we need the same thing. And so it's not God's design to not grow. It is God's design for us to continue to climb. 
Now, in the business world, the stock market, etc., you know what they honor in the business world? Constant shareholder return by showing overall market capitalization growth. And if you look like this, if you're on this side, this, you get to keep your job. If it goes the other way, they get rid of you. Well, guess what? That's the same natural principle because it means growth. Stock market's a little more complicated than that, but you know what I mean. Well, when it comes to our lives, maturity, fruitfulness, multiplication are the goal and the intended rhythm of life. But what does that require? Well, this is graduation season, right? It's May. I think there was a graduation in here last night. And you can almost just hear the graduation music, the pomp and circumstance playing. If you listen really closely, you'll be able to go, hmm, does it sound like graduation season? I think it does. Oh, well, look at that. Wouldn't it be also amazing if a graduate was to be able to walk up here and a microphone suddenly appeared in his hand? Wow. Well, so Josh, good to see you. This good is seeing Josh you. Witt. Hello. That, I don't know how you did that. It was perfect. That's exactly what we needed. I don't know. It was like a plan. Fantastic. So, Josh, you graduated high school. Yes, I did. Right. Then what did you do after that? I furthered my education at Northwest Lyman College. You guys know what Northwest Lyman College is? It brings the power. That's <laughs> yeah, the things that hold the yeah. Anyway, so that's the power lines. Yes. So, are you going to be climbing those, or do something else? I did climb them. Yes, I was doing that for two years. Oh, no kidding. Yes. Did you ever fall off? No. Good. Okay. No, we had so safety precautions. You had good training, man. Yes, absolutely. So you graduated. Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you a question: As you graduated from high school and now this great school mm -hmm. at Lyman College. At what age do you plan to stop learning? Mm, never. Never? Yep. Really? Why not? Because there's no cap and gown in the future. You're kind of done with all the graduating. Why not just level off? How are you supposed to achieve goals in life and achieve where you want to go and just a better future for yourself if you just kind of level off and mellow out? Come on. Preach it, right? Okay. All right. Well, what about spiritually? At what age or point are you going to get good and just say, you know, I got it, I'm mature enough. What, you know what age you're going to be when you decide to stop? Hopefully when I die. When you die. Yeah, I never okay. want to stop learning. So the goal for you is to keep learning both naturally and spiritually for the rest of your life? Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Is that a good goal? Yeah. Let's give Josh a hand. Thank you, buddy. Thank Appreciate you. it, man. You know, when we're young, we often have these great moments where we have an inflection point where there's a celebratory moment of graduating. And usually what that also means is you've had some sort of level of testing to prove it. Because let me ask you this, just because anyone goes to school, how many of us went to college and skipped class sometimes? Yeah, you keep raising your hand for service too. You must have been bad, dude. <laughs> no, those are only a few days, right? Just because you're enrolled does not mean you got the education. Doesn't mean you maximize the education. Just because you are, by the way, in this building today and showed up doesn't mean you're growing. Okay? Little side illustration there. If you go to McDonald's, you're not a Big Mac, right? If you go in the garage, you're not a car. Just because you're there doesn't mean you are mature, but you can be. And some people really, really maximize their educational opportunities. But you know what really struck me is after we hit, you know, mid-20s, so, so some of us, you know, have graduated from high school, college. How many of you in here have a master's degree? Fantastic. How many of you have a PhD? 
Where's the PhD people? Where is it? There we go. Excellent. How many of you have two PhDs? Okay. That's some serious achievement. To get a PhD is a tremendous amount of work in defending your doctoral statement and thesis. But you know what? After about mid-20s, maybe early 30s, for for the most part, there's no more graduations. There's no more symbols of having to achieve through a level of testing and proof that we are continuing to ascend to another level of maturity. And you know what? It's really easy for us to get to the place where we plateau. And when that happens, it's not the intention of what God has designed. And if we care our wisdom and our spiritual maturity in grade school to high school and then to early adulthood, it's no comparison. But as you get into your mid-20s, 30s, wouldn't you agree, sometimes we can be kind of the same maturity for years and decades. Barn has done some research and they found that some people basically been in church 15, 20 years, but they're like one year old, the same thing every single year. Because there's nothing that really presses us. And if you're in the position where it was Joshua and Caleb, if you remember when they left Egypt, they were given the promised land. And they were told to go out and spy the land. And guess what? They were given a gift. It's like uh, when I was uh, younger, my dad gave me a motorcycle, but he gave me a broken one on purpose. Because it taught me to go and figure out how to fix it. And I'm so glad because it taught me how to deal with mechanics. And I got into cars and all kinds of fun things. But if everything's perfect, you don't grow. God gave them the promised land and they had to go in and occupy it and take it. Not so easy. Well, Joshua and Caleb were like, we can take these guys. But everybody else was like, we can't do it. We're like little grasshoppers in their eyes. You guys remember that story? Well, guess what? Their faith and maturity level, their level of joy in the Lord was so blunted that they got to die over the next 40 years. Imagine if you went to college. Hey, guess what, mom? Going to GCU. This is awesome. But unfortunately, we've got some people with bad attitudes who are all going to die, and we don't get to graduate. That's pretty much what happened back then. Joshua and Caleb were like, no, we're going to have mature faith. We're going to believe what God says. We just watched them split the ocean. Come on, people. We are so short-sighted sometimes with short memories. But when it comes to our faith, let me ask you a question. Is it like a muscle? Okay, this is the participatory part. Is it like a muscle? I believe it really is. And what does it take to build muscles? Well, let's, we, we actually have a fitness expert that happens to go to this church. And so Marshall Wells happens to be here. And uh, Jack City Fitness lent us this nice uh, equipment over here. At least I think he knows about that. So Marshall, can you come up here a second? And also I need a volunteer. Come here. Let's give Marshall a hand. Get up here. And also, hey, is, uh, is Nolan Herod in the room? Is Nolan here? No? Okay. How about, I need a young volunteer. I need somebody who can, okay, this dude right here. All right, I get, you got multiple hands pointed at you, buddy. Come on up here. A whole row of people think you're a stud. Let's find out. Can we get the mic up here again? What's your name? Michael. Michael? Yes, sir. Great name. All right. So, Marshall, can you hold that? Yes. So, Michael, can you come over here and grab that barbells there? Or, it's actually not barbells. That's a, what do you call that? It's a barbell. It is a barbell. Okay. So you're right. you're right. So Marshall, go ahead and put your hands on the other side. There you go. Tell us a little about you run a gym, you train people, you deal with elite athletes all the way from average Joe to athletic pros. Yep. Did I read that right? Yes, you did. Okay. So when you got Michael over here, what's going to happen if he starts doing this on a regular basis? What's going to happen over time? 
Um, he's going to increase the neuroplasticity of his prefrontal cortex. Wow, that's what I was going to say. Okay. So, <laughs> Tell him to keep going. He's going to get smarter, basically. Okay. And he's going to um, break down muscle short term, but long term build muscle. Okay. And so when people come, do you keep going? Don't give up. So when people come to you and you train them how to do this over the course of weeks and months, what's kind of the outcome long term for their body? Um, they get stronger, increased bone density, increased connective tissue strength, um, mitochondrial density, immune system increase, and then you know a bunch of other good stuff. So it's not just biceps? No. You know, a lot of people don't realize, and we don't have time to get into this, but bone density actually comes from resistance. Mm -hmm. It's amazing what happens in your body. It isn't just the muscle. The skeletal system strengthens. And so with Michael, keep doing Keep going. I didn't say the top. <laughs> yeah. And he'll be able to serve more people because he'll live longer. So That's right. he'll be able to follow now, his passion. Do you longer. also see when people get on a, on a strong regimen that they emotionally with their energy come to a new place as well. Yeah, they learn how to get a better appraisal of their emotions because they go to exertion and their, their hormones are regulated more efficiently. Excellent, so. super, thank you. So lots of benefits, yes. all right? So you need to sign up at the gym tonight. All right, thank you, Marshall. appreciate <laughs> yes. it, man. Appreciate it, okay. All right, so we're not done with Michael. We're not done with you yet, how's the, how's the pump? Ooh, he's feeling good, no wonder they pointed at you, you do feel good. All right, so let's scoot this one behind us. Now, if we work out physically, Paul compares that oftentimes to the spirit, right? He says, working out is good, but what's even better? So why don't you grab this dumbbell right here, or this barbell right here, and what would be occurring in his life, go ahead, if he's doing this, but with God's word? With the same level of regularity, the same level of intensity, and also with a why inside to realize what this is doing to his spirit man, to his soul. Because you know what? When you do this, this builds a whole nother level of what's going on in your life. But what's the first part of the word in disciple? Discipline. What's the first part of the word in our testimony? Test. These are things that God have built, has built into our cycle and rhythm of life, but often we stop and don't do it. But if you have a consistency of what he's doing there, this builds us up eternally. This makes it through to the other side. Amen? And more importantly, it helps us reach more people who will get to the other side. All right? So thank you, Michael. So one more. So there's one other way that we spend time. This one might start looking at like meddling here. So what if we start putting all of our energy in looking at these things? What happens to our spirit man when this is where the energy goes? So stop for just a second. So this here, as well as what we've got over here. Now, these aren't necessarily things that are bad or evil, just like any tool can be used for good or bad. The problem is, we spend so much time doing them that we go, even if what we're consuming was all decent to neutral to positive, how much time? Because how many times have you swiped up over and over and over and went, what time is it? I should be sleeping. And when you're not sleeping, you're staying up late. How do you feel in the morning when you stayed up late? You're tired. What does that do to your morning devotional time? It usually either eliminates it or makes it really, really short. And when you're running out the door, zap frying a Pop-Tart, it's not quite the way you want to go physically, nor do we want to do that spiritually, right? 
we got to figure out how to do a deep dive. And this, and if you flip that around here, uh, yeah, just like, like face that way for a second. So for the older folks who are like, I don't know what Tac Talk is. I used to eat those to get fresh breath. Well, no. Um, Netflix and TV. Again, not necessarily anything wrong with that. It's a wonderful time to refresh and spend time. But you know what? It can often become the default. And we get into what's known as a habit rut. And guess what? Next thing you know, we've binge watched everything and we're mad when it's over. Oh, I like that show. Well, guess what? The amount of time on the odometer is massive. And this other piece is going, wow, please spend time with me. So you can turn around there, buddy. Thank you. So the difference between these three physically as well as what we do spiritually, but the modern tools, we have to be very cautious because the enemy knows our weakness. And guess what? They're designed for two things, attention and time. They want us to stay completely attentive to it and spend a huge amount of hours. Guess what? That's the enemy using things that distract us. Even if it's good, time adjustment and time distraction does not put us where we need to be. Amen? So thank you, Michael. Give him a hand. Appreciate it, buddy. Very helpful. So when it comes to the things that go into us, the social media landscape has become a very consuming environment. And it's a scary, scary thing because of what's happening. And let's look at this next slide. Somebody read, read out loud what that says. What what does this slide say? Let that sink in for a moment. Comparison is the thief of joy. And I'll tell you what, as a father of girls, the last thing you want your daughters doing is comparing themselves over and over and over. And when I was young, if you guys, some of you are old enough to remember this, there was only three channels on television. And at midnight, it went to snow, but right before that, they play the national anthem. And I was raised, you had to stand with the national anthem. So I told myself, turn it off before it comes on, we have to stand up. Well, guess what? Remember those days? Well, back then, the awful commercials were the bad influence, which there was well over like 10 of those in an hour. How many do we consume now? The level of velocity in today's world is not even comparable to when some of us were kids. And what's coming in the ear and the eye gate is going into the soul. It's going into the spirit and it's dampening us and it's putting us into a position where we have a substantial ceiling on our growth. But I really believe that it's almost accidental. We don't even realize it's happening. It's like the frog in the kettle. And I believe the enemy knows that what appeals to our flesh has developed masterful ways of keeping us distracted from our true purpose on earth. And we just have to realize, wow, it's so subtle and so consistent. And so we also have to ask ourselves, if in our identity to Christ, losing our muscle mass slowly over time changes us and we don't even realize it. And then all of a sudden, we're so far away from where we want to be. And what happens to our faith muscle if it's not being used? The same thing that happens to our physical muscle. You hear a lot of this church, first the natural, then the spiritual. Well, guess what? A discipline in any area helps you in disciplines in every area. It's amazing how that works. And when it comes to some of the great tools out there, we came across the ministry. I'm going to put something up on the screen. It's called uh, Christian Men 365. 
There was a godly businessman that thought, we need more ways to be able to share stories of faithful people, faithful men, from men of old to men of current. And so he invested over a million dollars of his own money to make these stories possible. And there's a great guy named Blake Maddox who directs this thing. And we found out about it and tried to help them. It's a completely free resource. Can I ask you a favor? Go ahead and scan that with your phone. It'll put a text on your phone and it drips to you once a day, a five minute story of people of faith. And when you watch these and listen to them, oh my heavens, does it motivate. If you go to the next slide, it'll make that QR code a little bit bigger. But things like this, let's use our phones and our iPads and our technology for weapons of good. Let's use these tools that bring such convenience to be able to encourage us. As I watch these, I watched the one early this morning, it so inspires and challenges our faith because faith comes by hearing. And hearing great stories of people who are faith-filled and walk through challenges are one of the greatest ways that we can grow. Amen? And one other thing, we all have phones and uh, Alexas and all those things. Well, Alexa, read me Hebrews 9. And guess what? She'll do it. Or on your phone, you know what I've learned to do? We're working on with some folks memorizing Matthew chapter 5. So since January, we've been listening to and reading Matthew chapter 5 three times a day, every day for the last five months. Well, guess what? You can put your little wireless headset in your ear, turn your phone, hit play on any place in the Bible you want on the great YouVersion app, and it reads scripture to you. And it's amazing. Well, you get up in the morning, you go downstairs, you make your coffee, make your oatmeal, whatever. You've now just listed three or four chapters. Be intentional about this. Amen? These tools don't have to just be uh, instruments for negativity. They can really bless our lives. Amen? So when it comes to Create in me a clean heart, O oh Lord. How hard is that today? Because so much of what's coming at us is not the way it used to be. And I believe this message is about one key idea, and that is recalibration. Because if we can recalibrate the way we see ourselves to examine the ceiling we've allowed to develop over us without even being aware, and we have peaked, or have we peaked in our spiritual growth, because our level of joy and faith, if it's plateaued, means we're not living the abundant life God called us to. Amen? Because the joy-filled life is not one with a ceiling. And when we look at um, the ceiling of, of life, we often don't realize that there's an artificial ceiling that's there. So I'm going to show you a video clip now. It's about 60 seconds long. And this is a fascinating thing you would have seen in science class, maybe in 1945. But this is a glass jar with fleas jumped into it. They put in there that they try to jump out. Fleas can jump really high. But watch what happens in this particular conditioning with this set of fleas. Training fleas requires a glass jar with a lid. The fleas are placed. Training fleas requires a glass jar with a lid. The fleas are placed inside the jar and the lid is then sealed. They are left undisturbed for three days. Then, when the jar is opened, the fleas will not jump out. In fact, the fleas will never jump higher than the level set by the lid. Their behavior is now set for the rest of their lives. And, when these fleas reproduce, their offspring will automatically follow their example.
their future is set for the rest of their lives. How many days did it take to set that? Three days. And then the really sad piece is what happens to their offspring? They follow the exact same pattern. Wow. In our Christian life, we don't, we don't graduate anymore. There's no cap and gown, pomp and circumstance. There's you and Jesus, your family, your community. And when it comes to us walking it out, we have to figure out how we get that faith muscle to keep growing. And if it doesn't grow, that's the life they live. That's the life we live. And I can guarantee you that isn't the abundant promise that Christians should be living. Now, one of the things I love about our house, I'm amazed at what's going on with Foster and Hart. A person with a vision for care, for love, is changing generational impact. And this church has gotten behind that. And you know what? It's because we care deeply about something else above ourselves. A person that doesn't have high faith or high joy doesn't step out into that. For Kate to go do that, man, take all that on, adopt those kids, open up a, a facility, that takes a faith and a joy that you're walking it out. And you know what? That's what God's intention is because we're here to reach the lost, the hurting. And that's a generational impact we're intended to have. Right now, our generational impact is, look at my Netflix hours compared to yours. Not the right comparison, right? The amount of followers we have, that's good. We got followers. We can use that for influence. But just be careful that it's not sucking us into something that becomes about us instead of about serving. Because serving, that's the pattern of Jesus. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So James 1, 2, something else about joy. Does joy mean things always go well? Not at all. Can you have joy in the midst of difficulty? That's the definition. James 1, 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Allow perseverance to finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God created us physically and spiritually. When we do this, it moves through our body, just like Marshall was talking about, and develops us. Through resistance. God puts and allows resistance in our lives. There was somebody who was talking about, um, oh, like even the Apostle Paul was like, hey, I've got this really bummer thing that goes on in me. It's this thorn in the flesh. And God decided not to let that go, but to leave it. People complain, oh, I got this going on. Lord, leave this. Well, you know what? I'm not sure I want to do that because I've never seen you more close to me and praying more than you ever have. There's something a way God uses weight and stress and pressure to grow us. Without that, I doubt anybody goes to Marshall's gym and says, I'd like to not have any resistance, but I want the results. Now, there's a picture of some guys at the gym uh, that you can see here that when you see this photograph of people who uh, look kind of extraordinary they you know one thing about them and that is that they have been spending time in that place is it up there yet i don't hear any gasps yet when you see it you'll gasp there it is you know one thing when you look at those boys they've been busy and everything they're doing requires escalated amount of weight if you want one of those guys to get a good burn, Marshall, could they get a good burn off of that thing over there? Probably not. 
unless they did about a thousand reps with one hand. So what about our life when we come into various trials? Well, guess what? Sometimes things are tough. Some of the people in this room or those watching online have been through really, really rough times. But you know what? The people who go through difficult times, it's amazing. There's a guy named Nick Vujicic who was born without arms and legs. That guy's blowing the minds of people all over the planet. He does one of the finest evangelistic messages I've ever seen. That guy is influencing the planet. His joy is complete. It overflows. It is not dependent on circumstances or limbs, apparently. And you know what I love about that guy? He doesn't have any legs. He have any hands. But guess what's in his closet? A pair of shoes. Because he believes in miracles, he said. Come on. That's the right kind of faith. Amen? So, John 15. These things I've spoken to you. That my joy may remain in you. And that your joy may be full. The fullness of joy isn't from the absence of difficult circumstances. It's the very presence of them. And sometimes things are tough. And you know what? In our family, we've been awfully uh, blessed to be healthy. But I had a, a, a key man insurance policy thing that they needed to do. And they took my blood test. And it came back. And something called the PSA, if you're familiar with the PSA test, it's a blood test that tells whether you may have prostate cancer or not. And the score is supposed to be from zero to four. Four is the highest. Mine came back at 11, 11.5. And went, that doesn't sound right. So we went in, had an MRI, and went through the whole process. And turns out, diagnosis I never expected, prostate cancer. Wow, that hits you a little bit hard and a little bit odd. That's not supposed to be part of the plan. But then all of a sudden you go, okay, Lord, what should we do? Let's walk this out. How many people do you know who have been through cancer or other difficult illnesses that are carrying their walk in a way that brought out of them this beautiful wine press of amazing love and joy and maturity. Difficulty is not designed to kill us. It's designed to bless us if we have the right heart. Amen? And so with my own journey, that was a very weird thing to hear. Unfortunately, it was the early stage of prostate cancer called the Gleason 6. And so we decided to do watchful waiting. And so that number, as of just last week, it went from 11.5 to 7 to 6 to 4 to 3.5 last week. So praise God. So, but you know what? We have friends who went the opposite way and they had to have radical surgeries, etc. That's all right. Because you know what the truth is? If this bottle's turned on its side... Our eternity, or pardon me, our life on earth is this little piece. This is eternity. It's a tiny little window we're here. And if we keep that perspective in mind, we get to keep our joy intact. Amen? So I uh, was with uh, Goose Susie here recently, and he, we were talking, and he told me about this great sermon that Joel King had shared with him. And probably somebody shared, it sounds like an Amway downline, but uh, I don't know who, who started it, but I listened to it, and as I was preparing for this, I love the way this pastor explained three different types of faith. And this is uh, Pastor uh, Darius Daniels out of Atlanta. And he was talking about there's three different types of faith. And they're illustrated over here with these three flowers. This, he's talking about, can represent what he called sour faith. It's faith, but it's sour. Have you ever seen a Christian like, yeah, it's not going my way at all. And I'm, I'm going to church and I'm going to heaven. <laughs> Jeez. But... I guess I'll just keep trying to believe and so forth. 
Well, this is a little bit what was seen when Martha was with Jesus. Is like, if you were just here, you could have healed my brother. Come on. I know we're going to be resurrected at some point, but it's kind of the sour faith. It's faith, but it's not quite on the perspective in the spectrum you'd want. And then there's up here with what you would call simple faith. And that safe faith that's here is designed kind of for us that, you know what, we've got faith, we're believers, but this is the kind of faith where you trust God for something that's 98% you know you can do it. We kind of need 2% God's blessing. Hey, pray I get this job, will you? Okay, I'm good. That kind of faith is a safe faith. And you know what? It's often, as this pastor was talking about, much more about not preserving God's integrity, but our own sense of potential failure. That's not God's heart is safe faith. His heart really isn't safe anything, really. But then you've got this. Wow. Saw this at the flower shop. And I was just blown away by the beauty of that. Isn't that pretty? Well, this is what he was calling strange faith. Now, there's big faith. There's extraordinary faith. He called it strange faith because to everyone else around, it was strange. And the illustration he was using was the one that we're all familiar with, with the Roman centurion. Now, Natalie and I were just blessed to be in Israel a couple of months ago. And it is amazing to be in that, that place and to see what that is like. But back then, Rome had an iron fist on the people. And no one liked the Romans at all. And guess what? The Roman went and saw Jesus. He'd heard of his fame and heard what he could do. And he asked Jesus, would you please heal my son? Would you please heal this circumstance? And Jesus says, hey, I'm happy to come to your house. Now, as the pastor was saying, well, the Roman was like, hey, you don't even, you do not want to come to my house. There's stuff there I don't want to have to explain. All right, just say it. You just say the word and it will happen. That strange, amazing faith. And Jesus is hard to impress. It's one of the only few times in all scripture where his mouth was dropped. He was like, I have not seen faith like this. Now to say that in front of all the Jewish brothers to the filthy Roman. I mean, that must have been something else. But this is what God intends for us. You walk around like that, man, that guy's got strange faith. Now, the other thing I love about what's been taught in this church for years is we need to be spiritually natural and naturally spiritual. That means not be weird, right? Some of our stuff is weird. Sometimes it's okay, but when you're talking about the lost, let's kind of be somewhat, but at the same time, let's demonstrate a faith that is unbelievably strange to them, but they're attracted to it. This is attractive. It smells amazing. Well, guess what? When you compare this to this, that's not what we're supposed to be. Amen? But the only way you get to that is a whole lot of this. Consistency all the time. Is it works? Never. Is it abiding? Always. Because abiding was God's plan. And you know what? I can tell you from my own testimony, finding out that you go to heaven and that you get blessed and you have fruit on your life because you just hug the vine and you don't go out there and work and, and do effort and do good works. You get it. You get to do the good works because you want to. Come on. I mean, that's like, wow, you know, that's a crazy story. So guess what? That's what we're here to live out. Well, when it comes to being consistent, we want to be radical, radical Christians. And I mean that in the right godly kind of radical way, like, like that faith of that Roman century was radical. But you know what? I learned something in this very church 
Someone said one day that I didn't believe it, and they said, if you want to be radical, you need to do the fundamentals, because that's actually what the word radical means, is fundamentals. And I went, that's baloney. So we didn't have a phone back then, but I went and looked it up. Turns out, take a look. This slide, dictionary.com, radical, adjective, number one definition, of or going to the root or origin, fundamental. Wow, is that crazy? That's what being radical means, is going to the root or origin and fundamentals. Well, guess what? The fundamentals of the way God designed our body is for us to be able to be healthy, to have physical exercise. But more importantly than that, the Bible talks about, is for us to do the fundamentals of spiritual growth. And that spiritual growth is also represent, representing the concept of first fruits. So that's one of the things I would just ask. As we you know, uh, complete this message as we turn the corner here, I want to remind us the whole purpose here is to recalibrate. What's your morning routine look like? First thing in the morning, what do we do? If it's check your phone, it takes us right off the first fruits and into something that gets right into the wrong barbell. And now our mind does not process the rest of the interpretive grid properly. It's through comparison. It's through good news, bad news. Well, guess what? There's a channel, there's a stream, there's a feed you can follow. It's called the Bible. It's always good news every single day, right? So one of the things I've tried to commit myself to doing is not checking the phone. And if I am going to use the phone, it's only to go to a devotional app or the Christian Men 365 or the U version or whatever it may be or something that brings me edification of my spiritual growth. Because you know what? When you count the hours of how much time we spend online or on social media, the numbers are staggering. And someday when we go to that Bema seat and we're compared or we're asked to compare our life's kind of accomplishments, well, guess what? I don't want to be there with a massive odometer of things that really didn't make any difference at all. Does that mean we can't refresh? No. But disciplines daily, if we want to get rid of that lid, what do we have to do? Do things differently in the way we handle our daily routines. Amen? So when we think about our why, so a number of years ago, um, Pastor Ken and I got to meet uh, an amazing leader named Bill Bright. And Bill Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, 50 ministries around the world. And they had unbelievable thing and still do things going on around the world to reach the world for Christ and disciple. And uh, Bill Bright had a $400 million budget with their ministry. But they needed a billion to reach the world in the way that they had come up with strategies to do it. And, you know, by the way, talk about that kind of faith. Extraordinary. But you know what's amazing about that kind of faith? It was humble. Humility is one of the greatest aspects of true maturity. And so Bill Bright uh, decided, you know what the best way to raise a billion dollars is? Is to get a thousand people to give you a million dollars. Do the math, it's a billion dollars. Pretty smart. So they've invented these conferences to invite people, business owners, to come in and hear the vision of what they would do to reach the world. And then they gave out the coolest commitment card I've ever seen in my life. It said, I commit to giving blank million. Blank million. Pull up your shorts on that one. But in order to be a member of history's handful, because his idea was a handful of people could impact history by giving a million or more, some people gave 10 million a year. It was amazing. And so we get invited to this conference. It's this big, beautiful ballroom. And I get to sit down and we get to watch Bill Bright get up and, and speak. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see the way that he raises the money and shares the vision for how they're going to reach the world. And you know what? I'm going to show you what he showed. But I want to say this. 
If our why is strong enough, no obstacle is too large. The reason we lose our way is because we lose our why. Amen? If our why is strong, it's amazingly motivating. And when Bill Bright got up there to share the why, I thought he was going to give some sort of major strategy. Let me show you what he shared. He shared the attributes of God. And on this slide are the attributes of God that he spoke on. This was his fundraising pitch. That was it. And it's the most extraordinary thing I've seen. And so I'm going to ask you to do something. Our why is so connected to what we do every day as disciples. And so let's read these out loud together and comment on them. So number one, let's read this together. Because God is a personal spirit, I will seek intimate fellowship with him. Wait a second. God is a personal spirit that wants intimacy with me individually? Wow. Number two, because God is all-powerful, he can help me with anything. Who's the most powerful person you know? Not even close compared to God. He can help me with anything, even trigonometry. Oh, yeah, he invented it. Yeah. Number three, because God is ever-present, he is always with me. That's a promise that is extraordinary. But keep in mind, if you've been to school like we were talking about, when you're taking a test, the teacher's present, but they're silent. Okay, let's keep that in mind. Just because God's silent doesn't mean he's not present. All right, number four, because God knows everything, I will go to him with all my questions and concerns. Chat GPT's got nothing on God. For those of you who don't know what that is, you'll find out really soon. But God and his level of knowledge of everything is the most comforting thing in the world. So, number five, because God is sovereign, I will joyfully submit to his will. When you have a sovereign God who wants to do something in your life, yeah, but this happened, oh, cancer diagnosed, this and that, but everybody child died in a car wreck, whatever it may be, he's sovereign. And also, it's small, what we're in the middle of. He's setting us up for much, much longer time. Amen? His sovereignty we can trust. Number six, because God is holy, I will devote myself to him in purity, worship, and service. We have a God who's unlike any other. Some of the major preachers and others that we've held up have fallen. You know why? Because we're human. He is not human. He is perfect. And he is worthy of our trust like no one. Number seven, because God is absolute truth, I will believe what he says and live accordingly. In a generation where we don't know what's true, what tweet means what, or what news story has what angle, this is one of the things we can trust. Truth. And also, by the way, with our families, our kids, we have to speak the truth. If you did something wrong, don't tell a lie. Don't tell a white lie. Go into the red face. Tell the truth. It honors God in an amazing way. Number eight, because God is righteous, I will live by his standards. His righteousness is like no one else, and we get to emulate that. Number nine, because God is just, he will always treat me fairly. Our judicial system wishes they had the consistency of justice, but you know what's great about God? He is just but he is full of grace. He wrote the check for us, and we get to accept it. 
Number 10, because God is love, he is unconditionally committed to my well-being. Unconditional commitment. The guy who led me to Christ, Pastor Lane Franks, was one of these guys. Unconditional, passionate love. And I got to be discipled by that guy for three years. And you know what? The people that you know that have unconditional love, that's one of those Christ-like things you can see. And that's God every day, all day. Amen. No matter what we've done. He comes back to that. Number 11, because God is merciful, he forgives me of my sins when I sincerely confess them. You know what it takes to forgive? First, power, but secondly, humility. God allows us to bring our humility and be forgiven every time. That's amazing. I am blessed beyond belief that the Bible is filled with people who did all kinds of crazy, awful stuff. And that are part of our story today because of redemption. Only one was perfect. It was Jesus. All right. Let's see, did we do 11? Yes, yes, 12. Because God is faithful, I will trust him to always keep his promises. Is there anything like a someone who keeps their promises every time? Full-blown integrity, 100%. And lastly, number 13. Because God never changes my future is secure and eternal. Amen? Amen. Praise God for that list. This is the summary of God's attributes. And a precious man named Bill Bright, that was his fundraising message. It was the most awesome thing in the world to see that's why we're here. That's why we want to reach the world. And brothers, sisters, those watching online... The whole point of this message is just to remind us God's calling keeps going. It looks like those, but it keeps growing. And you know what? Don't let us be lulled into something that we were never intended for. A dog that's meant to sheep herd, uh, trapped up inside a kennel 24-7 is unjust. It's not right. God gave us lives of abundance. Lives to be desiring something beyond what we can do in our own capacity. Amen? So... I want to end this with a brief uh, video. And unfortunately, this video, which comes from a movie called um, Facing the Giants. Now, unfortunately, in our, our technical culture, this is going out by live stream. And so the people on live stream, if you're watching, unfortunately, this doesn't allow this to be shown on the uh, uh, stream. So you can go get Facing the Giants and watch the scene or Google it called The Death Crawl. So this is a, cl a clip about some young men who are at a football practice, and one of their leaders is having a bit of doubt. And the death crawl is when they actually have to go on all four without touching their knees, and they put one of their heavy uh, compatriots on their back, and they have to crawl as far as they can. So for those online, I'm sorry you may not be able to see this, but for those in this room, I want you to take a look at this clip as we close, and let's compare this with God's heart for us. Take a look. It's not even funny, dude. <laughs> so, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat them. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> What, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. 
think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right. Let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground. Just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. Not the 20 yet? Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. Hey, done. Just rest in a second. You gotta keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving it. Keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on. Keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know he's heavy. I'm bad out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. It's so hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. Your best. Don't stop. Keep going. Too hard. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. Don't quit! No! Keep going! Keep going! Keep going! Don't quit! Don't quit! Don't quit! Rock Kelly, you don't quit! Keep going! Keep going! Go, Rock Kelly! You don't quit on me! No! You keep going! You keep going! Go, Rock! Ten more steps! Ten more! Ten more! Ten more! Keep going! Don't quit! Give me your heart! You can! You can! Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. Brock, you are the most influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they.
Don't tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Coach? Can I count on you? Yes. Coach? What is it, Jeremy? I want a 160. capable of far more than we think and also notice the coach put a blindfold on him we don't walk by sight we walk by faith and you know what else I found interesting about that clip wasn't just Brock's influence and how his influence would influence others that's us we influence many people more than you think but also what helped Brock go the distance he thought he could maybe get to the 20 maybe the 50 without somebody on him he went the whole way because you know what there was a coach come on you could do it we need to be that coach for people sometimes sometimes we're in the middle of stuff we're about to sin we're going to fall into a trap we're going to do things we know we shouldn't do and we need somebody around us going come on you can do it that's also our role that also doesn't happen without great faith great joy constant workout of our spirit we can't coach at that level unless we have that level we can't give at that level unless we're putting in at that level amen wow last verse Hebrews 12 2 fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God we have a savior who went through the death crawl for us. And he didn't get up. He did not stop. He had a why that was so strong it saved the world. And you know what? He's calling us into a level of walk with him that's saying, you know what? I don't want to be like a flea in that jar. I want to be destined for what you called me to, far greater than what we're living. So just as a reminder to all of us, it's time to recalibrate. It's time to resync. It's time to rethink how we do our day. Amen? So let's pray. Father, thank you for the way you've set up your amazing attributes. Those 13 things blow our minds with your love and care, your consistency, your grace, your mercy. You're truly the greatest story ever told. You are the most extraordinary thing in the universe. And Lord, we get to have a personal relationship with you. As you've been listening to this message, if you don't know for sure you have a personal relationship with the one who has all those attributes, I'm going to lead a prayer in a moment and I'll just ask you to pray that along. The Bible says no one can actually come to know God unless God's drawing him or her. So if you feel like God's drawing you, it's God drawing you because I guarantee it's not you. 
And so I want you to pray with me and and the people in this room, if you could want to pray aloud as well. If you want to know for sure you're going to go to heaven, it's a lot like being married. You simply say something out loud that creates a covenant. Pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're real. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that you're alive and you can hear me now. I'm sorry for my sins and I'm trusting you to forgive me in the best way I know how I open the door of my heart to you please come into my life and be my savior please fill me with your Holy Spirit and make me a new creature from this day forward Now, if that was you and you prayed that sincere prayer and you want to tell somebody, you need to tell somebody. There's going to be some people over here up for a prayer team. Please go up and say, hey, by the way, I prayed that prayer and I would love for you to pray for me for this new journey. And if you're online, if you were able to make it past that video and you made that prayer something real, guys, that's how you go to heaven. It's not by doing a bunch of things. It's by doing what we just did. That's how it starts. That creates the birth Now you need to grow. Amen? And so for us in this room, I want to ask one last thing. If you were convicted by, you know what, Lord? I have a heart for you, but I need to grow past the plateau I've been at. I need to take myself to a new place. I would ask you to stand right now. If you're like, yeah, Lord, I need to go to a new level. Just stand up to say, Lord, that's me. So many of us need to go to the next level. And if you're standing up, you're saying, Lord, I publicly am saying, I don't want to be in the jar. I don't want to be below what your calling is. So Lord, I pray for these right now that you would remind us as we go over the next course of even the next 24 to 48 hours that we would be convicted in our heart to live according to Philippians, God, that says we press on towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to press into you. And I pray for these, Lord, standing and for those who may be watching to say, yes, Lord, give me the strength. Because, Lord, thank you that we don't have the strength to do this, but you do. That you in us, like a hand in a glove, you animate us when we abide. So thank you, Lord, for this place. Thank you for this church. And thank you for the opportunity we have to ask you to give us your empowerment to walk by grace and faith that our joy may be complete. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.